Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey there, Hollister. I know that the last couple of our podcasts have dealt with some pretty heavy themes. <laughs> I mean, really. Pedophilia and the Taliban and kidnappings and you name it, we have been so there. So my alley. I loved every one of them. <laughs> and perhaps just for a little bit of Hollywood levity and to pay homage to a very long and successful franchise, I actually chose the movie Spectre. You did. Unbelievable. You did. <laughs> Uh, seriously, what were you thinking? Okay, two words. I was thinking Daniel Craig. You're such a, you know, it's all about the boys with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. I'll have you know, though, the very first role I ever saw Daniel Craig in. Do you want to guess? I have no idea since I have no idea what else he's been in because he has no interest for me. I mean, I feel like we're 20 seconds into this podcast and I already have to rehabilitate my <laughs> reputation. But the first thing I ever saw him in was playing Sylvia Plath's husband in the movie Sylvia opposite Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. Back then, he wasn't even blonde. He was not yet James Blonde. He was Daniel Craig. Well, you know, it's I'm not I shouldn't be surprised because I remember McLeod's daughter podcast when I was talking I'll about forget it. all these wonderful women and you know all these women running this ranch in Australia and da 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 and then you're like well I really watched it for the boys <laughs> I I have to stand up for my ex-wives you know yeah you do you do you do so even when Daniel Craig parachuted into the London Olympics in that Queen Elizabeth fabulous video that didn't win your heart over no all right, but here's the thing. I tried to figure it out. First of all, I did see Skyfall, which was the last one in 2012. And the most successful, right? Uh, I yeah, mean, it grossed over it was a billion dollars worldwide. And can we just also throw in that that was the last one. Derek Watkins was the iconic trumpet player that has yes. been in the music for every single Bond film since 1962. And he died right after Skyfall. So this right. film, Spectre... Uh, is the first one where he's not in it, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure he is not lamenting that if he's watching from up in heaven. But you I think I no. think he's still playing his trumpet somewhere on a cloud. Right. I really what do. Of? <laughs> I mean, a Bond movie could not be a Bond movie without the iconic music. Yeah, that's true. The Sam Smith title song for this one. And I was also thinking the Bond songs that I'm most familiar with were all performed by women. Shirley Bassey holds the yes, record for doing yes, the, the yes. greatest number. And of course, I'm sure you can guess which title song is my favorite, or at least who sang it. Goldfinger. <laughs> Very close. There's gold in it. Huh. A golden eye? I don't know. That's right. Oh, yes, is by it? Tina Turner, who you know I oh, love. Oh, of love, course. Love, love, love. Well, it's the Tina. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot since you made me go to this film. And by the way, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I think I texted you on the way saying, seriously, this is what we have. We've, we've, we've reduced ourselves to. I all. have no interest in Bond's films. As a woman, number one, I have no interest in them. 
And here's what I realize. Here's the problem. You ready? Okay. If there's only one, I'm kind of happy. Okay. No, but I'm here's ready. no. I mean the pro- <laughs> the insurmountable <laughs> atomic leveled bomb problem in terms of there should never be another Bond film. But here's the problem. You have to understand that when Dr. No, which was the first, everybody thinks it was Goldfinger, but Goldfinger came out in 1964 and Dr. No came out in 1962. Okay, so let me just run by, and I remember, so I was 11, and I remember going to Dr. No and then, of course, Goldfinger. And here's what you have to understand. It was all about context. So that year, for Goldfinger, for example, it was Mary Poppins, it was Beckett, <laughs> it was A Hard Day's Night, it was... Wait, what was the second one, Beckett? Beckett? Oh my God, do you what? know not, not know the movie no. Beckett? No. Oh, it, it, huge, huge movie with Elizabeth Taylor and of course, oh. yeah, you know, Beckett, Beckett, anyway. Was she on a horse? Uh, no. Okay, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte... And then all of a sudden, in comes this movie, Goldfinger, where this guy throws a hat, which turns out to be made out of lead, and somebody's head flies off there. It was, you have to, and the music was Goldfinger. Goldfinger. He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. The music had nothing to do with any other piece of music that was playing, ever. You know, and we're talking about a hard day's night versus Goldfinger, which was dripping with sex. And then in comes this cool, smooth, amazingly handsome Sean Connery, who, uh, you know, Bond, James Bond. And the next thing you knew, you were inside a, a story that you couldn't even imagine with cars doing things with ejector seats that nobody had even thought of, let alone heard of. And Mm -hmm. so what was amazing about it was you had no idea what was going to happen next. And the thrill of it was totally immense. And so then I thought, okay, so here we are. 53 years later, we're talking about the 20, this is the 24th Bond film. And the problem was this year it's competing with, let me just think what's out this year. Okay. The Hunger Games, Insurgent. Mission Impossible, Star Wars, The Avengers. So frankly, it's just one of many things that are trying to show things, but they should have gone much more futuristic if they wanted to keep up with the uh, incredible, interesting, wide awake, amazing early Bond films. So the problem is that Bond... um, Bond's had its day, and you know, just like the West Wing had to end, so does James Bond. And there's only four books left, by the way. So, one of them, by the way, is 007 in New York City. So, I think that probably should be the next one because that one they could maybe make a little more interesting. But doesn't that make you feel better? It's based on a book. Don't you feel more literary already? No, <laughs> um, absolutely not. But this, <laughs> but the last thing I want to say, the other reason I hate Bond films and I hated this one is because I feel like an idiot. I can't follow the plot. And then I thought, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's the fact that the plots are not real plots. But I can't follow them and... I don't think this guy is sexy at all. And also, he's been a real brat. Really? Yeah, he's, they paid him a, sh- a ton of money for this film. And he's been such a brat saying he thinks this is a terrible film, this one, and he doesn't want to do the next one. And you That know, is true. Daniel Craig has brat. not been giving good interviews, but I still think he's the best Bond. I do. He's my favorite. 
he's not the best Bond. Sean Connery is the best Bond. And anybody who's seen the early Bond will tell you that that for sure is true. And you're really, you're speaking, you could go to jail for saying something like that. You really could. <laughs> I will give it to Sean Connery that he is Scottish, playing someone Scottish. Now tell me why we needed to see this film. I missed out the hush, hush, sweet Charlotte years. Okay. I came to that party a little later. Tell me what what redeeming feature. Do I need to go back to pedophilia and kidnapping? <laughs> Napping and all these social ills and scourges, and all of a sudden we could have Tom Ford designed clothing. And did I mention? Well, I did. Wait, I just did a, I just did a mini me, um, you know, a one and a half minute review of Bridge of Spies on SoundCloud today. And I will tell you that we could have had a really interesting conversation on about Bridge of Spies if you could have chosen that one, maybe perhaps. Well, you know, Spielberg and Tom Hanks, not really my strong suits, but I'll tell you why I enjoy this the should Bond be good. movies Go these ahead. days. I keep lauding television that I think we are in such a golden age of writing and acting and the richness of television. And the Bond movies to me still feel like a spectacle that I want to see on the big screen in a theater. It still feels like a movie with the music and the titles and the clothing and the cars. And it, this was the longest Bond movie ever. So I'm sure to you it felt really long at two hours and 28 minutes. Okay, by the way, ask who left a little early. I didn't even stay for the Credits. It was like okay, I can see how this for the credits. I didn't. Is that because you didn't want to see the very last thing on the screen? No, I, it was sort of an F U. It was an F U to you, O'Toole. It was oh, like nice. you know, I'll show you her. I'm not going to stay for the credits. You, know? you could have gone to the Peanuts movie here. You know, James Bond and the Peanuts are just rocking I know. it. At that the was box just office. so uh, all the listeners know. My alternative that she offered me was the was the pe- you know was the Charlie Brown movie, a, and I thought, a great okay, alternative. I, I don't even. I can't even speak to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you. It's you now, all right, all right. So, what's your best line? Best line in the movie? I think it's You're just a kite dancing in a hurricane. You're a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Oh, no, it's not. No. It's not? Well, I don't think okay, so. Give me, give me what you there think. There was only the... one, rede- you know how I love a good line in a movie that I can write in my journal afterward and feel like it's really made a difference in my life for my mm-hmm. future? Okay, so uh, this one I thought was really good. This is um, Oberhauser speaking. And by the way, where mm-hmm. did they come up with these names? Uh, you know, I don't think Ian Fleming wrote that name, but whatever. It was me, James. author of all your pain. Anyway, I thought that was the best line. Now, here's the thing that made me almost walk out at the very beginning. The first thing you see is the dead are alive. What does... O'Toole, what does that mean? The dead are not alive. They're dead because they're not alive. Like... No, not in Mexico. You know me. International locales are catnip for me. And the fact that we're starting in Mexico City oh, at the Day God. of the Dead, the dead even are though alive. they don't really have Ugh. Day of the Dead parades, that was more like carnival in Rio. For the Day of the Dead, the dead, it's their day. You know, sometimes there's no accounting for your taste. Because I, know, I was more surprised at the font they chose to put Dead or Alive, that they went with the old standard typewriter font. Well, you are a font aficionado for sure. I'm a font junkie. It's you true. You are. You are. Well, anyway, I just felt like when when you start a film and it says the 
the the dead are alive, then you have to know that you just shouldn't be there, you know, because it's just <laughs> not possible for that statement to make any sense to anybody who has a brain, which is why I can never follow the Bond movies. And sometimes I feel stupid. And then sometimes I feel like they're stupid. And then sometimes I think it doesn't matter. There doesn't need to be a plot because you're just supposed to look at all these visual aspirations of beautiful people or people being killed or planes falling from the sky. I got to tell you, I have a weak spot apparently for three men brawling in a helicopter flying over Mexico City. I want to give a shout out to the director of the second unit because the shooting of the helicopter scenes, the car chase scenes, the international locales, I thought it was terrific cinematography. And another reason that I was lured into the movie theater, of course, I heard all this talk about how it was the first Bond movie to ever have a Bond girl or a Bond woman or a Bond female character over the age of 50. Played, of course, by Monica Bellucci. You should go there. You're crossing over to a place where there is no mercy. Pierce Brosnan back in 97 said that she had been given a screen test, you know, 18 years ago. Yeah, he thought. I think he thought she should have been his Bond girl. And that's the part that went to Terry Hatcher. But I thought she would be in the movie longer. Our over 50 Bond girl was only in it for a nanosecond. Well, to, then, to make your career, you only have to be... Yeah. Well, that's true, but then she was immediately replaced by... I don't, I don't know who... Leia Seydoux, oh, the French actress yeah. who was one of your first Twitter posts on our Twitter feed um, back when she won the Palme d'Or for Blue is the Warmest Color at the Cannes Film Festival, yeah. which was a very unusual thing to be an actor and get the Palme d'Or. So only well, she didn't get it for this. Let me just tell you in case you that's that's true. Blue is the warmest color, but But here's the thing I can't figure out. So, Mendy's Kate Winslet's ex husband, okay, American Beauty, Road to Pernition, The Kite Runner, and then he's going to add to the Spectre. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Well, he did have Skyfall in between, which did (sighs) unbelievably well. And it is hard to follow up that level of a Bond movie with yet another Bond movie. I don't know. It's sort of like Where's Waldo? He does these incredibly poignant, deep, filled with layers of plot and 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 thoughtfulness movies, and then he sticks in a Bond movie. I don't get it. Now, you know who worked with him on American Beauty and did the music? Who did the music here? No. Thomas Newman, the one who's been nominated for 12 Oscars. We gave him a shout-out in our... Right, he and he's never, he's never won. Maybe he'll win for this one. Although sometimes I felt like the music did have to overcompensate for a lack of plot. I thought the dialogue was better in Skyfall. And again, I miss the Dame Judy lines. Well, Judy Dench got killed off, and didn't that break your heart? I will tell you, I have not forgiven John Logan for that. He can be nominated for four Oscars, and he wrote Gladiator, and he wrote The Aviator, and he wrote the Sue Mangers one-woman show with Bette Midler. I will never forgive him for killing off Dame Judy. I think she added not just a very strong female character to the Bond franchise, but a lot of gravitas. The way she could deliver a speech as M, I thought was priceless. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Well, you know, they had a lot, there, there was a couple of leaks of some memos that went out as they were putting all of this together. And even the people who were writing and doing this film said the third act 
that it basically had no had not, had no business being an act, and they were having mm-hmm. a lot of trouble with it. And then all I could think of is, well, they didn't fix that problem. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, it just dragged. The whole thing dragged. It was sort of I don't know. And by the way, it had an interesting premise, you know, that you could go back and that he finds out something about his own personal history that he didn't know before. And I mean, there were some opportunities to bring a human element to James Bond that hasn't been there before that could have been interesting, you know, like maybe he was the the son of Judy Dench. (laughs) Well, that was interesting because back in Skyfall, when Javier Bardem was the baddie and he used to be an agent like James Bond. I swear, Christoph Waltz, who was the baddie in this movie, ended up in that same glass bubble at the very end that Daniel Craig once again has to try to shoot through. And this time he was supposed to be his almost brother, where his father had been the ersatz father for James Bond when he was orphaned. Um, So I think the baddie in the Sam Mendes directed Bond movies is supposed to be some kind of shadow self for James Bond, a former agent a former brother. Okay, I, you know, I, 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 I think I, I am speechless with the, the thought. I remember when we were talking about um, Pretty Woman, and I remember uh-huh. saying, well, you know, there are many life lessons in Pretty... And I remember you, this huge, long, pregnant pause that the editors took out, where you were thinking to yourself, she's gone, you know, she's lost her mind, you know, (laughs) the fact that you're even going to try to explain that there's something going on here that, that is beneath the surface. Talk about a water skiing movie. It never, ever goes below the water line. Can he water ski? Yeah. That's the challenge with doing another James Bond movie is every possible action sequence. Well, maybe they shouldn't do anymore. How about that idea? One thing that I find very amusing now is ever since the advent of the iPhone, it is almost impossible to give James Bond a cool gadget because what can they give him these days that your iPhone doesn't have an app for? So I like that retro feel where they go back to giving him nice old cars and and guns. But I do love the actor Ben Whishaw who played Q. He played Carrie Mulligan's husband in Suffragette. Oh, yeah. He's a terrific actor. And three of the actors in Spectre have played Hamlet on stage. Uh, well, they certainly didn't need to bring any of Hamlet to the screen here. Okay, so they basically, yeah. in other words, they could skate through this. Is that what you're saying? I wonder if they paid well, him only half the amount because you only have to be there half half in your head. It's so funny. What did you think of Christoph Waltz, who's won two Oscars for Best Supporting Actor under the tutelage of Quentin Tarantino? What did you think of him playing a James Bond baddie? I, I don't know why these people are doing this. Um, box office? <laughs> The fun of it? Whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't get it. It is actually a gruesome shooting schedule because, you know, going between Rome and Vienna and Morocco and Sweden, it took eight months just to film. Um, I, you know, I, I just have no word. You know, look, you don't get to pick the next one. I do. In fact, I get to pick the next 10, you know, and one of them might be Silence of the Lambs. I just want to let you know that. (laughs) <laughs> I thought Spectre was actually very true to the franchise. I enjoyed Skyfall more, but I thought this was true to the franchise. Great. Okay, well, that about <laughs> wraps it up as far as I can tell. And one other thing that I think would be an exciting development is if Idris Elba, who stars in Luther, I've heard talk that he's being considered as the next James Bond, and I think he would be terrific. He's agile enough, but he's too big. You think? Yeah, he can't fit in that Aston Martin. 
can't do it. We'll see. Maybe it's time for you know him to get a space vehicle or whatever the next iteration uh, right is that you yeah. think would be worthy. Well, I, you know, I, I again, I think it's time to lay it to rest and say goodbye to James Bond. I want <laughs> to end with one trivia question okay. for you. And this is just purely by the numbers. Yeah. Okay. My sister gave me a copy of the November 4th issue of Time Out, New York. And the editors of Time Out apparently watched all 24 of the James Bond movies. Because they, they had nothing better to do? I can't even imagine. Right. <laughs> so these statistics that span 53 years, okay, they've got the number of kills, the number of women bedded, the number of languages spoken, the number of baddies bullets dodged, and the number of martinis shaken, not stirred. Do you want to guess which is the highest number? The martinis. <laughs> okay. Apparently only 17 martinis have been shaken, not stirred, in the 24 Bond films. I thought that was a very low number. I would have thought there would have been at least one martini Okay, so what's the largest number? The number of women bedded? I thought that number would be much higher. Okay, I put this in quotation marks, but it's only 59. Okay, so so what movies. so what's the answer to the question? Okay, 4,662 bullets have been dodged oh, and 352 dodged kills. Oh, you know what? Only I should 10 yeah. languages spoken. Yeah. Okay, yep. well, it's a boy movie, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> Bond, James Bond. <laughs> say you're finished. What do you think? I think you're just getting started. No, I'm saying over and out. 